This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, September 6, 2022. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I hope your weekends were filled with restfulness and bonding time with your loved ones. And you know what would be another good way to bond with family? Our conference. Do you like Jesus and beer? Then you and your family need to come to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Conference in Knoxville, Tennessee on October 6th through the 8th. The topic of this conference is lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. Satan is the father of lies, and the mother of those lies is a government that has rejected God. Christians haven't been reading their Bibles, so we as a society are more susceptible than ever to Satan and his lies. So join us October 6th through the 8th as we fight, laugh, and feast with beer and psalms, our amazing lineup of speakers, including Pastor Doug Wilson, George Gilder, and Pastor Toby Sumter of the Cross Politics Show. Hey, that's us. And more. And stuff for the kids, too like jumpy castles and accidental infant baptisms. So sign up to attend with you and yours or become a vendor at fightlaughfeast.com. All right, without further ado, let's get to the news. We're kind of living in a bizarro world right now. And New York GOP Governor Challenger within four points? No way. When unelected New York Governor Kathy Hochul recently told the 5.4 million registered Republicans in her state to move to Florida, I pointed to her statement as evidence that she is brimming with confidence that there is no possible way she could lose to a Republican in November. While that still may turn out to be the case, the picture is nowhere near as clear as it seemed to be a couple months ago. In early August, a survey USA poll had Hochul ahead of Republican Lee Zeldin by a whopping 52-28 to margin. But this week, a Trafalgar poll dropped, and they have Zeldin hot on Hochul's tail, with the governor's lead dropping to a 47.8 to 43.4% advantage. That's still outside the poll's margin of error, but not by much. So, is this real? Republican Rep. Lee Zeldin is closing in on incumbent Governor Kathy Hochul. This is from the New York Post, by the way. In New York's tightening gubernatorial race, a poll released Saturday found. The survey conducted by the independent Trafalgar group found that Hochul has just a 4% lead over Long Island congressman, a significant narrowing in a race that has seen Hochul with a lead of up to 24 points. The poll of 1,091 likely general election voters conducted on Wednesday and this and Thursday pegged Hochul at 47.8% and Zeldin at 43.4% nipping at the Democrats' heels. It's still entirely possible that this is just a rather extreme outlier and Hochul's numbers will spring back in the next couple of surveys. After all, the RCP advantage still shows Hochul with a nearly 15-point lead even after this. Trafalgar poll was factored in. But then again, all those other polls were conducted well before her speech, where she demanded that more than 5 million people leave the state. Further, the Survey USA poll I mentioned above may have given Hochul a 24 point lead, but there were still 14% undecided. If those undecided voters all started shifting in Zeldin's direction, well, the race could actually be tightening considerably. If you see two consecutive polls with similar results, that could translate into an actual momentum. I'm not even close to getting my hopes up yet because we've been burned too many times before. New York hasn't elected a Republican governor since George Pataki's third victory in 2002, and even that race was very close, with Pataki benefiting from an unexpectedly strong showing for a third-party candidate who drained votes away from the Democrat. The generic ballot has only gotten worse for New York Republicans since then. There would need to be a massive sea change in a very short period of time for these latest figures to be real. 
But I don't think we can say it's not it's uh, it's flatly impossible. Crime in the state, particularly in New York City, has been out of control for a while now, and the state is hemorrhaging residents. Hochul and her party have done nothing to fix the bail reform policies. They instituted a majority, and a majority of New Yorkers see that as one of the leading drivers of increased crime rates. Taxes have continued to go up on a number of things, even as high prices make it harder for people to get by. Is it possible that the Democrats are finally losing support, even in the blue stronghold of New York City? Zeldin should do well in the upstate region, but he can't win unless he can gain some significant traction in the Big Apple. Put a bookmark by this race, and we'll come back to it in a few weeks. If we see one or two more surveys producing similar results, we could have an actual race on our hands, and the down-ballot races for both Congress and the state legislature might deliver some very unpleasant surprises for the Democrats if that turns out to be the case. Moving on, abortion pill providers seek to bend or break pro-life state laws. This is from the Post-Millennial. To circumvent pro-life laws in many states, abortion activists, including those in medical in the medical community, are pursuing questionable legal methods, shocker, of delivering abortion drugs to women who are seeking the procedure. According to the New York Times, Elizabeth Nash, who works for the pro-abortion Gutmaker, Gutmaker Institute, said, quote, We're going to see these different approaches by organizations as they assess what the laws say and develop their rationale for how to provide care. Yeah, care. It continues, We just don't have a roadmap about how to provide medication, abortion, pro, uh, post-Roe, so it's all being created right now, she added. The solutions to get around pro-life laws include prescribing medications that induce abortion past the 10-week limit set by the Food and Drug Administration. Another option is that physicians are providing telemedicine appointments to abortion seekers and not asking about their state of origin. In other instances, physicians are simply giving out abortion, inducing medication to anyone who asks, regardless of whether they're pregnant or not, in a hope to saturate the market and disseminate the drugs in mass. As the Times reports, abortion via medication typically involves two drugs. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this correctly. Uh, Mifeprostone, which blocks a hormone necessary for pregnancy development, followed by a two, followed 24 to 48 hours later by misoprostol, which causes contractions that expel pregnancy tissue. Disgusting. A baby. Medication-induced abortions make up over half of the abortions in the U.S. by 2020. Eleven Republican-led states, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, Ohio, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas had strong pro-life legislation go into effect right away with many other states like Indiana, Idaho, following suit. The current practices around the dissemination of medicine that includes abortion creates a legal gray area for many of these states as the legislation mostly focuses on abortion clinics and their providers. Christine Pitney, a midwife who works for Europe-based pro-abortion company Aid Access, said preliminary prescription was the solution, calling it, quote, advanced provision, and that women should get the medication wherever they can and hold on to it. Pitney said getting medication that will kill an unborn child was like getting medication for traveler's diarrhea. According to Pitney, Aid Access has received 10,000-plus requests for the medication after the overturn. Of raid of Roe, rather. So be praying for that situation. We need to expel this abomination from our nation by any means necessary. 
Not so long ago, the American dream was alive and well. Employees who worked hard were rewarded, and employers looked for people who could do the job, not for people who had the right political views. Redballoon.work is a job site designed to get us back to what made American businesses successful. Free speech, hard work, and having fun. If you're a free speech, fun employer who wants to hire employees who focus on their work, not their identity politics, then post a job on Red Balloon. If you're an employee who's being censored at work or is being forced to comply with the current zeitgeist, post your resume on Red Balloon and look for a new job. Redballoon.work, the job site where free speech is still alive. www.redballoon.work By the way, I saw a uh, post uh, on the, by the Epic Times on Red Balloon. Very cool stuff. Go check that out. This is kind of a funny one. Stranded tourist with a dead electric car helped by West Virginia coal miners. Fun. Fun stuff. And this is what the elites want to send going forward. The electric vehicle of an unfortunate Washington, D.C. tourist ran out of battery in the middle of a remote West Virginia road on Friday. Thankfully, a few unlikely good Samaritans were nearby to rescue the stranded driver. The wild sequence of events was recounted by Tucker County State Senator Randy Smith, Republican, on Facebook, which occurred near a coal mine on Matiki Coal Access Road, U.S. 48, a few miles outside of Davis, West Virginia, according to WTRF. Quote, Today, at our mine off Corridor H, an electric car from D.C. ran out of battery at the road entrance to the mine, Smith wrote. The state senator noted that the vehicle was stranded in the middle, cool, or in the middle of the haul road, meaning that workers had to act fast to not impede incoming traffic. As a few coal miners came to assist, it was soon realized that the vehicle could not be moved by a tow truck since the bottom of the car was all plastic, and there's nothing to hook onto. With few options left, the coal miners worked with the driver to push the vehicle up the road to the mine where the traveler could recharge his car. Quote, if you look closely, you can see our coal stockpile and load out in the background, Smith noted as the five coal miners and driver were seen pushing the vehicle in a photo. While electric vehicles have recently symbolized an elitist shift away from natural energy resources such as coal, natural gas, and oil to renewable energy sources, that narrative was set aside on Friday as the coal miners were more than willing to help the unfortunate traveler. Smith added that one of the Good Samaritans even gifted the D.C. driver a, quote, friend of coal license plate to to take home with him. Uh, That's a feel-good one right there. Feel good. But, hey, before we wrap up, we have to end with my favorite topic. Sports! And man, do I love college football. For those of you who follow me on social media, I saw a picture of my dad and I at the Washington State University of Idaho game. And uh, let's just say the Cougs, uh, well, they did not play very well. They only beat the Vandals 24-17, to and i got to give credit to uh, the Vandals uh, for coming out and playing their tails off. They fought hard, and honestly, could have argued that they deserved to win the game. WSU has got a rough game ahead of them next week as they travel to Madison, Wisconsin to take on the Badgers, the 18th-ranked Badgers, no less, who are probably going to steamroll us. Uh, trust me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of these things. So let's tackle some of the games that I thought were pretty interesting and worth covering. First, number two, Ohio State defeats number five, Notre Dame, 21-10. to I mean, what needs to be said? These are two of the winningest programs in college football history. It took place at the Horseshoe in Ohio, at Ohio State, 
and boy, was it a good game. Notre Dame actually was out ahead 10-7, to and Ohio State scored a touchdown in both the third and the fourth, and then their solid defense carried them the rest of the way. Again, Ohio State wins 21-10. to Number three, Georgia defeats number 11, Oregon, 49-3. to And as a bona fide SEC hater and Pac-12 fan, I got to tell you, this weekend sucked. (laughs) Georgia just dominant. The defending NCAA champions showed out. This game was not close. Well, you know, it it was close at the beginning when it was 0-0. But uh, other than that, other than the opening kickoff, there really wasn't much contest between these two teams. Georgia just dominated both sides of the ball. And Oregon, when they were trying to get a consolation touchdown on a fourth down play in the final drive of the game, or close to that at least, uh, Georgia shut them out on fourth down, and Oregon couldn't even put a touchdown on the board. So a statement win for the Bulldogs moving forward. Florida defeats number 7 Utah, 29-26. to And again, that was a Pac-12 team taking on an SEC team, and uh, they weren't able to get it done. This was a great game, though, and Florida came out on top with an interception to seal the deal as Utah had a chance to win the game. Number eight, Michigan defeats Colorado State 51 to 7. The Wolverines looked impressive on both sides of the ball in the big house in Ann Arbor. And Colorado State was only able to generate about 200 or so yards of offense, 219 to be precise. And the Wolverines just smacked the visiting Rams. Number 19, Arkansas. Again, the SEC. Ugh. SEC just. SEC, SEC, that's all we're going to hear about, folks. They defeat number 23, Cincinnati, 31-24. And, hey, Cincinnati, they played solid, and they have got a solid program going out there. But Arkansas comes out on top, 31-24. And this one was before the weekend, but still top 25 game. Number 17, Pittsburgh defeats West Virginia in the backyard brawl, 38-31, a game with a lot of tradition and history. Uh, And Pittsburgh was able to hang on to win that one. It came down to the last drive because West Virginia had the chance to tie the game up. And they threw the ball the length of the field. It looked like they may have had the first down because the receiver, upon first play, it, it looked like he caught it. But then upon review, thanks to good old instant replay, it was noted that the ball hit the turf. So Pittsburgh came in on top with the win. And that was just week one of college football. Stay tuned. This has been Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, hit that share button down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, then sign up for our conference with that club discount, and then sign up for a magazine. You can do all of that at fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you'd like to email me a news story, ask about our conference, or become a corporate partner of Cross Politic, email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.